The Gym Day Podcast is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Gym Day Podcast. All right, audio magic about to ensue here. It is the Gym Day Podcast. We're presented by Kroger. Thanks for tuning in and we've been reliving a lot of memories 30 years removed I can't believe every time I say it I can't believe it but 30 years removed from 1990 that wire to wire world championship and we've been reliving a lot of memories uh, this summer about that team that magical team and we're going to go down memory lane once again because here's a guy that provided a few of those memories Mr. Glenn Braggs welcome to the show how you doing Glenn? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How about yourself? I am good, uh, as well as can be expected as we all try to manage through this uncertain time and uh, taking it day by day, which is, I guess, all we can do. Um, 1990, uh, the interesting thing about your story is that you didn't come over to the Reds to, what, June? So what was it like? They were obviously in first place. A uh, bunch of characters on that team, and then all of a sudden, a uh, new guy shows up. What was it like for you? I gotta be honest with you. It was, it was, it was like a dream come true for me. I mean, I'm a lot of a lot of people probably don't realize this, but I was born and raised in California. But the Reds were my were my favorite team. Really? Um, oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I loved the big red machine. So I was, I did not like the Dodgers. <laughs> I was not a. Everybody, <laughs> everybody in my household was a Dodger fan. I was a Reds fan. So you that know, is I got a, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got a chance to uh, get traded to the Reds and George Foster was my favorite player. So that's the reason why I wore number 15. You know, I, I it was like a dream come true for me. So when I was with Milwaukee, um, I, I, I got caught up. I, w- I brought up through their minor league system. And, uh, and a lot of the guys that were on the big league team were guys that I played with throughout their whole, you know, uh, system. So. Obviously, when I got called into manager Tom Treblehorn's office and he told me that I'd been traded, I was disappointed because I was going to be leaving a lot of my, uh, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, teammates and friends, guys who I'd gotten relationships with throughout my uh, my, my professional career. So when I asked him which team that I had gotten traded to when he said the Cincinnati Reds, I had to do everything in my power to resist, like, just saying, oh, my gosh, yeah, I got traded to the Reds. Oh, it was it was awesome. So then, obviously, you know, Milwaukee, we weren't doing so well that year. And a uh, guy that got the chance to play for the Reds for a little bit, Greg Vaughn, was just coming up. And, uh, you know, he was um, doing very well. And uh, I didn't, basically had become expendable at that point. Uh, Reds needed that, uh, that, that extra outfielder and the Dodgers – I mean, uh, and the uh, Brewers needed a pitcher. So it was just a, a win-win situation for everyone. Then when I got called over, I got called, you know, into the clubhouse, man. It was it was like I had just been there all along because these guys, uh, they, they accepted me right off the bat. Um, they were seemed like a, a much younger group of guys than it was with uh, Milwaukee. So I was able to bond with them pretty quickly. And my main thing coming over was just to make sure that I didn't mess things up because they was already, you know, they'd already been in first place and already established themselves. I just wanted to be 
that extra guy to be a part of it all and just to keep the wheels, you know, to keep the ball rolling. So um, it, it was it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, dream come true for me it was one, you know, the, the best team probably top to bottom, even though we didn't have superstars. You know, we had Larkin and uh, and Davis and guys like that. But we, we, we were probably the, one of the best complete teams that I have ever played on, for sure. One hundred percent. And in my mind, a very underrated team as far as uh, historically goes when you talk about uh, great baseball teams. Obviously, if you win a World Series, you're, you're a great team, but uh, so underrated and even underrated when you were facing the Pirates and the A's. You could, no one thought you guys could win, and we, we'll maybe get into that. But I, um, not wearing number 15, did you go and ask for 15? A lot of times when you go to a new team, you you know they'll just give you a number, but did you ask yeah. for 15? Yeah, so um, I was number 26 in Milwaukee. Yeah. And so when I got over, um, um, oh, my God, it's just escaping me right now. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Stowe, you know, he comes up to me and he goes, here, we, we got number 26 for you, uh, the same number you had in Milwaukee. And I was like, nope, I don't want number 26. I was like, can I have 15? And they were like, yes, it's available. You can have it. So that's how I did. I asked for 15. That was the number I wanted. Um, and, uh, it was just, uh, thankful that I was able to get it. Well, George Foster uh, amongst the height of the big red machine was known for, you know, he wasn't exactly as big as you are, but he was cut. And what, what did you like about George Foster besides the, obviously the power and hitting? Yeah. I mean, you know, that was it, you know, it was basically his power, you know, and, uh, you know, he was a, he was a run producer, man. He, He could, you know, he could bring in those runs and he just, I just, I, I um, identified with him, and he just seemed to be like the guy that I just loved on that team. I mean, they had great players on that team. I mean, probably, if you think about it, probably one of the best teams ever assembled was the Big Red Machine. Oh, so, no doubt. I mean, from, top to bottom. I mean, that team, top, top five at least of all time in baseball. So they had some great players on their team. And, um, and so it just, I don't know, just George Foster was just my guy, man. And uh, I mean, he always laughs whenever I tell him that I think he's, uh, you know, he, he thinks it's funny, but I think maybe he thinks I'm joking with him, but he was, he was, that was my man. And um, yeah. He laughs at me for much different reasons. Uh, <laughs> he laughs at me. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. <laughs> hey, I happened George. to be at the stadium the day you were traded, covering mm-hmm. that game. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, I'm, I'm sure you don't remember this, but you met the media in a yeah. scrum there on the field. And I had noticed, and I asked a direct question. I'm like, you got a little bit of a mustache on top of that lip there. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. team rules, the Reds don't no facial hair, so you're gonna have to go in and shave that off. And you looked at me like, "What? For real? Do you I, remember you know having I, to shave off I, your stash?" I do, I do. So I think I may there might be a baseball card with me with that little peach fuzz. I call I call it on, the, <laughs> on my lip, and um, and you know I, I'm I'm trying because I've never been able to grow facial hair. So yeah, I'm you'd trying be my best. I'm trying my best to have a little something on my lip. <laughs> and I've been working on that thing for years. <laughs> and then I get traded over to the Reds and they tell me I have to shave it off. So I think I may have played that first game with it, I think. And then I think uh, Tony Perez is the one that came to me and said, you need to shave that thing off. I was like, shave what off? This little 
beach buzz here? Are you kidding me? Are you guys yeah, it says in the rule book, <laughs> the Reds rule book, no facial hair. It didn't say peach fuzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember it being, uh, and, I, and I didn't remember it who, but I'm glad you told me that it was you. But uh, I, don't, I don't remember who it was, but I do remember having that conversation. And then I remember, I believe, because I, I think, did we have, I think we had a doubleheader that day. I think, wasn't it Atlanta? A doubleheader? I thought it was a doubleheader that day. I think I might have shaved it off in between games. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. How often? I'm. Mean, I'm sure you're. You're in California now, coming to do us from mm-hmm. California, and you're a California yeah. guy. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how much you're around Reds fans anymore. I know we've seen you at a few vet events here and there, but can you go when someone talks baseball and they talk the 1990 season? Is there any way around bringing up you robbing Carmelo Martinez possible home run? Uh, against the Pirates in the National League Championship Series. And one of just the huge plays, and when you look back at the 1990 season in the playoffs, that's always in the highlight reel. How often yeah. is it brought up to you? You know what, it is. It's brought up a lot, but I have to be honest with you. The thing that they bring up more than that is the broken bat in the World Series. <laughs> I mean, people are so blown away by that. It's like unbelievable. But yeah, when uh, when we talk about the National League Championship Series, that was, I think, the capper to the plays that Lark made at short, O'Neill in right field, Davis making that unbelievable. I, it was almost like he materialized in center field on the ball that Bonilla hit and just threw a laser to third base to get Bonilla out. Um, just all of the plays that had accumulated throughout that series I mean, we, we had great pitching, we had clutch hitting, but I think the thing that, I, that stands out the most is those defensive plays that were made that just changed the series, Yeah, in my opinion. And that was kind of like the capper. Biggest play, obviously, of my career. And, um, you know, it is, uh, it, it's still one of those things that I talk about, obviously, when, I, when I'm talking with fans and and people are telling me <clears throat> almost every fan. I don't know how. I don't know what the population is of Cincinnati or or uh, in that general area. But it seems like everyone I've talked to that they were at that game <laughs> when I made that catch. <laughs> everybody, everybody keeps telling me that they were there. Yeah, so, Browning's yeah. no hitter in '88, which came after a lengthy rain delay, and there were right few right. thousand fans left, but. There were like fifty to a hundred thousand fans that claimed they were there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but for those that don't know that are listening, it was the ninth inning, game six. Reds had a two-one lead. Carmelo Martinez a drive to right, and you robbed him of a possible home run. And it even when they write the stories, it says possible home run. And that's I know, been I know, one of the I big know. debates. You know, right. you know. Oh yeah. Uh, one yeah. of the big debates. So I'm going to ask you straight out. What would it have been a home run? It was it was the home run. It would have definitely been a home run for sure, without a doubt. I, I always laugh when they say possible. Yeah. But hey, you know it's it's um I, when you look at it, you know I'm I'm already playing deep because we're we're playing no doubles. You got a fast guy at, at first base, Barry Bonds. Um, a ball hitting down the line or in the gap, there's a pretty good chance we're gonna have to make a play at the plate. 
So we're playing date. We're playing deep. We want to we want to protect that that um that that one run lead. So I'm already I'm already back. Carmelo is a guy that likes to hit the opposite way. I think earlier in the game, I think he had a double that way. Um, and so we're we're shaded that way. Every, you know, the defense is set up the way it's supposed to be. The pitcher uh, Myers is throwing exactly the way he needs to pitch um, Carmelo. And so we're you know I'm anticipating a ball coming my way. And so when he hits that ball, I'm just all I wanted to do was just try to get back as as quick as I could so that I could see if I had an opportunity. I thought it was I thought it was going to be you know long gone. But um, when I got back to the wall and I saw that I could catch it, I was able to get up, get my my glove up over the wall. You can see when I caught the ball over the wall, it was definitely a home run. And uh, so then my thought after I caught the ball was to make sure that I got the ball back in quickly so that Bonds didn't try to tag. Right. So, you know, so that that's basically how it played out, you know. But um, it was definitely a home run. And no one else is going to be able to tell me any different. <laughs> well, here's the thing with, with the yeah. runner on, even if that hits off the wall and you don't catch it, they're tying the game. So no question about it was it. a game saving catch regardless. Yeah. No, no question about it. Like I said, Bonds, Bonds one of the fastest guy in the league. Yeah. And uh, so if that ball, even if it's a, even if it's a double somewhere, like I said, there's going to be a play at the plate. They're sending them. You know, oh, yeah. so, um, you know, so that's, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the, it's obviously, you know, one of the biggest plays of my career, but certainly I think it just capped off a series of amazingly, uh, aggressive and great defensive plays throughout that series, clutch hitting, um, and, and literally, and, and when you think about it, we played that series the way we'd played the entire season. I think we were one of the top defensive teams in the league that year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the best, um, you know, uh, pitching staffs. So we, had, you know, obviously with the with the nasty boys and the guys that we had in our starting rotation. Um, and you know, we listen. We we weren't afraid, and we knew what we could play. You know, we knew that we could play. We knew that no one gave us a chance in that series, and um, and so um, we felt like. We knew the Pirates were a tough team. We knew that the A's were a tough team, but we were good too. And, and I think that that was probably our superpower was the fact that people were underestimating us. And um, and so um, when we when we were when we when we beat the Pirates, we felt like man, that series right there could have been considered the World Series. Yeah, because it was a great series. And then um, we get then we get into the series after that. So um, you know, it was just a. We played that series against the Pirates the way we had played consistently the whole season. How thankful are you that that moment happened, that catch? Because um, some guys can, as years goes on, and there's you know thousands of MLB players, and even though that was the last World Championship the Reds have won, and every member of that team is just revered in Reds country, but you had that moment that people remember. Whereas if mm-hmm. that didn't happen, you're just kind of a guy on the team, but you're right. a- amongst the highlight of that season and those playoffs. How thankful are you that you had that, I hate to use this, but one shining moment where you right. had that yeah. moment that defined you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like uh, Joe Oliver's double down the, yeah. down the line to, you know, so it's like, those are, those are the things that kind of, 
um, you know, that, that extend, you know, go through time and, you know, and people will go back and able and are able to see as, as kind of, kind of like those big moments in a series. And it's, I'm grateful and thankful for that. Um, I always kind of chuckle because, you know, I wasn't really known as a great defensive guy, but I'm known as making one of the, the best defensive plays in, you know, in Red's history. So, um, so it's, it's, I, I think it's, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. Um, I, I just think it was, you know, it's one of those situations where, and I actually had this question posed to me about a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, what would have, who would you be, uh, how would they see you if you had not caught that ball, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, that's the, uh, that's the one thing I don't want to think about. I'm glad I was able to make oh, the play. Yeah. You know, I'm glad I was oh. able to make the play. I know, right? I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> exactly. Pirates come back and win the game, and then they win exactly. game seven. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. So um, so I'm thankful for it and grateful I was able to make the play and that we were able to continue the series on into the World Series. Yeah, and it's a yeah. little bit of irony. I mean, when they think of Glenn Braggs, they think of the muscles and they think of right. power. Exactly. Uh, but what he's most known for in Reds country is is that catch. Although, exactly. as you brought up earlier, speaking of power, when you broke the bat on your backswing in the World mm-hmm. Series, what well, you're facing Dave Stewart, right? Uh, yeah. I think it was the first pitch, and you swung so hard that the bat broke on your follow through, which I think. I'm sure happened more than the World Series, but the fact that it happened in the World Series, it was so magnified. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe I think it was a two zero count, to be honest. Okay, yeah. I like... think, and 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 uh, and I believe so. When I play it back in my mind, I just remember, you know, Davis getting hurt. I was the leadoff hitter that next inning, so Davis was going to be the leadoff hitter the next inning. So I had to really prepare myself. I had faced Stewart a lot when I was in the American League. So I knew how he liked to pitch me. So I knew he, he, he challenged me all the time. I mean, he would just, let's see if you can hit it. He was one of those type of guys. And so I knew when I got the count in my favor, he was going to, you know, he was going to challenge me. And when I, when the pitch came, I think I had such a high amount of adrenaline going through my body that I just, I swung as hard as I could. And um, and then I when I swung through the pitch, I, if you can look at the swing, my swing dipped a little bit and it went a little bit, it just went right under the ball. And um, and so I when I go through and my follow through, the bat hits my back. And as I'm beginning to whip it back around, that's when it snaps. And <clears throat> the the interesting part about that whole scenario is when you listen to uh, Tim McCarver and Jack Buck as they're introducing me. And they were talking the about plate, That's exactly right. It's almost as if they were setting it up. Yeah. And uh, they were talking so, about you coming to the play. Well, here right. comes Glenn Bragg. He's exactly. a big, exactly. strong I, dude. Yeah. And he says something like he's built more like Fort Braggs or something like that. And I actually yeah. have someone made a, made a Jersey <clears throat> that said Fort Braggs on it. And, um, oh, that's and I beautiful. posted it. Yeah. I posted it on my, uh, Facebook a few days ago, but, um, <clears throat> but that's kind of the, the, the setup. It was almost like it was, it was set up because of the way they were talking about me as I was coming up. And then, um, and then that happened, but yeah, 
I had done it a couple of times during the season with the Reds, and I did it a lot when I was in, in Milwaukee. Um, <clears throat> but it just wasn't on the national stage level right. like it was in the World Series. So a lot of people, like even I've had people come to me and and when they when they when they uh, heard that they were going to do the Reds were going to do it, the bobblehead. They said, "Is it going to be the broken bat?" <laughs> you know, they were like, "They wanted the broken. They wanted it on the broken bat." Heck yeah! You know, <laughs> so yeah, so it's like one of those type of uh, one of those. Obviously, another one of those things. I guess if you could be remembered by something, I guess you might as well be remembered by that, right? You Heck know? yeah! So, it's just exactly pure brute strength of a man. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> hey, you mentioned that bobblehead. Uh, during July, uh, fans at the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum got your bobblehead for free. Going forward, uh, members can still get the bobblehead. Uh, so, hey, when, you, when you're when you on a bobblehead, you've basically arrived. Not that you had, took this long to arrive, but uh, still cool <laughs> this many years later, they had you on a bobblehead. Yeah, I was um, I was very uh, honored when they when I got the uh, call that they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, I just uh, I I felt like it was really special, <clears throat> and it uh, it really touched me, and it was just I, I really felt honored that they would want to do it. And I and I've I've been extremely impressed by the quality of the thing. I mean, it's it's really really well done. Yeah, and uh, and so very thankful to the Reds for that, and uh, very appreciative. Well, I going back to the break in the bat against Dave Stewart, I looked at the video again, and everyone else is like, oh my goodness, that bat just broke on the backswing on his follow-through. And you're kind of like, oh, eh, bat broke again. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm, I mean, I am, I am upset because I missed the pitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 2-0, I think I'm pretty sure it was a 2-0 pitch. I'm upset with myself because I missed the pitch. That's the that's the thing that I'm mad about because because uh, I knew he was only going to give me one to to, hit, to to hit. I think I ended up flying. I think I just missed one. I ended up flying out to deep left uh, in that in that first at bat. But um, but he, he you know I was really like when I, I had such adrenaline going through me. You can imagine. First AB in the World Series. I mean, oh, actually, yeah. it wasn't my first. Actually, it wasn't my first AB. I think I had a, uh, I had a, a couple at bats in uh, Cincinnati, but um, I, it was going to be my first AB that day, and I was wasn't even starting. And the next thing you know, I'm getting thrown in there. So <clears throat> my uh, my adrenaline was was on high, and um, and so I was just ready to put a charge in it. I was and uh, just swung swung too hard. Um, you know, just went right through the ball and, and missed it. But I was, that's the thing that I remember just that I missed a good pitch to hit, <laughs> you know? So what was um, your playing weight? What'd you play at? Uh, at that time I was around two twenty, which is a, a, amazing because, uh, when you think back, you're like, God, Glenn Braggs was just this mountain of a man. And you know, mm-hmm. when you, you talk about you now, he was like, he had to be 300 pounds. <laughs> he was giant. Uh, yeah. I know. Right? The legend of Glenn Braggs. Yes. Right. You know, um, I was, uh, I, I was 220 there. I'm like, um, you know, what was the body fat about years. 0.1? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I was always pretty low body fat. I was probably under 10 God. at that time, you know, and uh, wow. I tried, I've actually tried to maintain that as I've gotten older. So I was just, I, I, I just posted that uh, I have a birthday coming up in October 
And, um, and so I'm going to try to see if I can get myself super lean again uh, for my birthday. I always try to make it a challenge to try to stay pretty fit throughout my, uh, my lifetime. So you look like um, you could still play. I, I, you know, looks can be deceiving, my friend. It <laughs> <laughs> looks can be so deceiving. If, if it wasn't for my bad knees, my bad shoulders, my bad back, and my bad neck, and I would be able to do it 100%. <laughs> well, I, I had asked uh, your former teammate, Eric Davis, like, okay, you get five at-bats right. in a game now. Could you get a hit? And he's like, oh, I could get a hit. I just can't run. <laughs> I, right. That, they didn't get somebody to run for me. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I believe all you guys, if you get five at bats, you could probably make some contact and get hit. Yeah. But, you know, running yeah. might be a different story. Do you stay oh, in yeah. touch with uh, any of the former guys at all? Um, I'm, I'm in touch with them, like, social media-wise. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm not really – we're all doing our own thing. And, mm -hmm. and typically, if we – you know, like, I, I still do the Reds. I've been doing the Reds Fantasy Camp for the last five years. Right. And uh, so I get a chance to see a lot of the guys – when I'm during that time and we get to hang out a little bit. In fact, it's this past fantasy camp. I got to coach. So they, you know, uh, you sh I'm pretty sure how you know how it works. They usually have about yeah. 12 pros. Um, and, uh, and there's two coaching each team. And um, so I got to coach with Ron Robinson to uh, this past uh, January. Yep. And he, he and I got traded for each other. So, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were, you know, we always, like, <clears throat> when I would see him at different functions, we would always laugh about it. This is a guy I got traded for, et cetera. But we got to coach today, uh, together this uh, this uh, uh, winter during the uh, fantasy camp. It was kind of cool. He's a great guy. I love him. Yeah, he, um, is, he is a good dude. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, so I get a chance to see those guys. Hal, Hal Morris is down there and Hatcher and Winningham mm -hmm. and all those guys are down there. So it's really cool. That is awesome. You, uh, yeah. nowadays uh, – in California, and you're still very much into fitness. You're certified, right? A certified trainer yeah. now? Yeah, I am. <clears throat> I am a uh, certified trainer. How intimidating um, a, is that? If I walk in and I'm not like feeling so good about myself, and I walk in and see you, 50 plus years old, and you're looking like you're 20. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. They're they're always like these, especially like the 20, you know, 24, 25 year old uh, clients that I have, and. I tell them I'm pushing 58 and they're like, what, <laughs> you know, yes. but, uh, but you know, it's, it's motivating for them because it should be. they, yeah. because they understand that it's, it is, you know, it is about what you do to keep yourself fit. And I, uh, I think a lot of people get in this, get into this mindset where they think that once they get to a certain age, certain things start happening to your body. Well, that is true. If you allow it to, I mean, but you, if you stay, if you keep active, uh, you, you know, try to keep a, a kind of semi good diet and uh, a good healthy mindset about yourself, you can stay pretty fit. And, um, and I, I try to preach a little bit of balance because I don't like to be, I don't like to be super strict because I want people to be able to live. Um, cause you, you can, you can get so obsessed with uh, fitness that you can, that you, that you won't live and And that, that kind of translates to just about every aspect of our life. When you think about it, you can become obsessed with one thing and then it just kind of takes away from the, from the whole aspect of your life. And so fitness should be one aspect of it. It should be an aspect as far as being able for your, for your physical health, 
you know, I believe that there's a spiritual health and there's, uh, you know, an educational health and there's all these different aspects that make a complete whole person. So I try to preach all of these things to my clients and, um, you know, I've been pretty successful there. It's been, it's been great. I've, I've only, I've been doing this now for about three years and, um, and it's, um, I, I've always knew that I've loved fitness, but I didn't realize how much I did and how much of a passion it was until I actually began training other people and, you know, helping them to get to their goals. And, um, and so that's been, that, that has been really a fantastic part of my job. We'll take a quick time out. Some words from Kroger and to qualify to interview Glenn Braggs during this timeout, I will be doing push-ups. <laughs> Hey, Reds fans, this episode of the Gym Day Podcast is brought to you by Mission Tortilla Chips. Crispy, tasty, and ready to dip into anything, our Mission Brown Bag Chips add just the right bite of flavor to any snack with just four simple ingredients and sea salt. Be sure to get Mission Brown Bag Tortilla Chips available at Kroger stores throughout Reds country. Go Reds! Love getting prices that are lower than low on backyard favorites like grill-ready hamburgers and fresh-picked strawberries? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, plus rewards like fuel points, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, we're back with Glenn Braggs. I did one push-up. Uh feeling not so good about myself but you were talking about uh changing topics a little bit in red mm -hmm. circle you are glenn braggs but in many other circles in our society you are cindy's husband <laughs> yes 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 i am what's it like you i'm sure you you've answered this to nauseam what's it like being married to such a famous person that's awesome. I mean, uh, she's she's a, a very wonderful person, and that's what makes um, our relationship great because um, she's just a, a great down to earth person. Like if you were to meet her, you would you know be amazed at how down to earth she is, um, and it's so that part of it is is fantastic. So this our lives are not what you would think as far as going out to all of these star studded parties and stuff like that. We're family, we're family people. <laughs> we're, we're homebodies and we, you know, I know I'm going to probably uh, disappoint a lot of people, but we just, you know, we, we just like being home and uh, we don't like to go out to parties, all of these. Sometimes we do. It just depends on, you know, uh, who's, uh, who's the invitation from and things like that. We'll, we'll, we'll try to hit one or two a year, but, uh, from time to time, but we are basically, we have four kids that we've just, um, you know, have poured our souls and our lives into, to make into the, the best citizens that they can possibly be, uh, best human beings. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's our life. And, uh, I think, we're we're pretty normal people. <laughs> Probably gonna be like, oh man, what a letdown. But that's, no, that's, that's a, it's actually that's, the other way around. Truth. It's refreshing. Yeah, yeah to it's, me it's at least. Actually, yeah, it's uh, 
that's it, man. We we just all we try to do is try to live our lives. Um, it's funny. I'll tell you, this is this is what's crazy. Like, um, you know, my my kids, like as far as I, I was done playing before, like my when my youngest was two, I mean, my oldest when he was two was when I stopped playing. So he's never really been around baseball or anything like that. And so you know, none of them have really had a chance to experience, you know, the baseball life or anything like that. So when we went, so, and I think it was in 2015 when he had the all-star game at Cincinnati, um, my whole family came, they had the 1990 team there. And so they were blown away by, you know, when, when at the convention center, I had this long line of people waiting, you know, for, you know, to get an autograph. They were like, that's dad. They were like, that's dad. You know, I'm sure and they're so, not waiting for yeah, mom's yeah, autograph. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but on the same token, even though they have been to her shows and things like that, it's not, that's not our lifestyle. So, um, so they, they just see us primarily as mom and dad. Right. And, uh, and that's, what it and, that's and, and, and really it is, that is the way it is, should be. And that's the way I like it. Yeah. yeah. So people that, that don't know, and, and you know how people are that listening to this podcast right now and they're going to their phone or their computer and they're Googling Glenn Bragg's wife. Right. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And then, you know, she is one of the, uh, founding members of the group in vogue. That is correct. Um, singer and what she she was a singer on uh, their first hit, biggest of many numerous hits. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so they've actually this was uh, supposed to be their thirtieth anniversary. Yeah. Year and uh, they were going to it's like um, they were they were going to have all these you know all these things set up you know for their thirtieth anniversary and then obviously you know this uh, the pandemic hit so it's kind of shut everything down so. She hasn't, they, they still go out and they perform all the time, but they haven't been able to do that since the pandemic hit. So she hasn't gone out for a show since I think uh, like the end of February. And uh, so all the venues are shut down um, and, and things like that. So she's just been at, you know, had an t- opportunity just to be home. And so um, it's, it's things that it's really has slowed things down. I think for everyone. And, oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, yeah. And, it is really you know, that's, that's just, the music It's just the way it is. Yeah. Really and and entertainment, you know, and, you know, the movie industry, and you know, all of yeah. that stuff has just been, you know, and I have lots of friends in that industry, and it's, you know, they're they're having a tough time right now. No and, doubt about um, it. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there hurting that I just, uh, just want to keep in my prayers all the time. It's just a um, tough time for people. That group's <clears> first <throat> single was Hold On. That's sure. right. That's right. Yeah. Singing Still, it's like, and that's that's the typical that's the song they usually close out with on yeah. their shows. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you want to talk about big? I mean, In Vogue was huge, huge, and yeah. still huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know, like I said, a lot of people think that they aren't still uh, out there performing, but they right. are. You know, I mean, obviously not this year, but they've been. You know, whenever you know they have a show. And, you know, or something like that. People ask me, are they still performing? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, I, you know, I haven't heard that they've been out performing. And did they just get the group back together? No, the group has been steadily together for the last yeah. 30 years. You know, they have, you know, still been doing going strong. Yeah. Does she serenade you with singing at all? Or did she when you first met? Uh, well, this, uh, this is interesting. So um, when, when I was, before I met, Cindy, um, 
uh, when I was in the minor leagues, I had this roommate. He was a, um, a guy's name was uh, Kiki Diaz, his shortstop. And, um, you know, we were, he and I were talking, this was, you know, many, many years ago before I had met Cindy. And, uh, I had told him, I said, I'd like to marry a woman that can sing to me. Right. And so I had, you know, years later, Cindy and I get married. Thank you, Lord. uh, And, 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 and then Kiki reminded me that I, that I told him that like many years ago. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's right. You know, it's like crazy. So, but she, you know, not necessarily uh, the serenades, but if uh, if I were to say, you know, like she's like a songbird, yeah, she's always singing, you know, just around the house. Oh yeah, I bet. And and uh, just like my, I have two daughters. Uh, my youngest daughter is like a, you know, chip off the old, you know, my wife, just like you know, apples, you know, came from the same tree. Like she's like she loves to sing. She likes, you know, she writes music, and she's just uh, a carbon copy. Uh, Cindy, and uh, so I have uh, two songbirds in the house. Yeah. Do you sing? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course I do. You know, the thing about it is, is I sound best when I sing to myself alone. <laughs> that's that's uh, when I'm alone and I'm singing. Oh, my gosh, you should hear me. It's amazing. I bet. It, it is. It's awesome. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, Cindy said that I can hold a tune, which I think she's probably just being nice. Really? But, Uh-oh, yeah. we might have a duet in the future. <laughs> I doubt that. She but... sold over 20 million records. We can make that, yeah. you know, 30 million with the biggest duet of 2020. No? Exactly. Nothing? Exactly. Yeah. I I, I think uh, I think they're going to be okay on their own. I think they'll be okay <laughs> yeah, they've on They've done. Yeah. Done fairly yeah. <laughs> well and still exactly doing very yeah. very well. You yeah. you have you admit you have four kids, so yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a big family is nothing new to you. Aren't you like the eleventh of twelve kids, something like that? That is correct. You've done your research, my friend. Well, you yeah, know I've um, yeah, I have uh, I have, you know, I have well seven wow, siblings. Right. Yeah, seven seven sisters, four brothers, and um, you know, obviously, I'm seeing a couple of my I, I we've lost a couple of my sisters and one of my brothers but um you know it's i i was raised by um by two parents who had known each other from the second grade and have been have, were married almost 50 years wow and and they were i always have to brag about my parents because they you know we didn't have i didn't have a lot growing up like i mean we we were I didn't even realize how poor we were until I grew up. Okay. We were really poor, you know, but I think that that was, that was, that was, um, one of the, I think the great magic tricks that my parents were able to do was to, uh, allow us all to grow up, not feeling, uh, poor. We've all, we always felt like we had everything we needed. And, um, and so I had, like I said, 11, 11 brothers and sisters, and uh, each one of us either has a degree, you know, um, you know, master's degrees, um, doctorates. Um, my parents were just very, very good family parents. They they raised us to be, you know, to be good citizens, to get good education. Every single one of us um, has has thrived in society and has done well. And um, and I think that was 100 percent 
the result of my my parents. They were the most amazing people that I have ever. Uh, I'm just blessed to have parents like them. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's you know they're they're not here now, but I but I do and I do miss them. But they were I I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for them. And, and like I said, I grew up in some pretty bad areas and most of if not all of the friends that I had growing up were either you know not with us anymore or locked up oh, and uh, and so I like I said I could have gone a lot different direction if it wasn't for my parents and uh, and so I feel blessed to have had them and uh, so it's it's uh, I I just feel like I always have to brag on them because I mean, obviously my last name is Bragg, so it should come naturally to me, but, uh, but, but I'm sure you never they, heard that they, pun before. I, I know. Right. But they it's like were, the last name just, day. Yeah. <laughs> Try to go through with the last name day and not hear a pun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I just really feel blessed and appreciative of uh, God for blessing me with two amazing parents. Well, sure. it sounds like uh, yeah. you're now extending that to your children, the example yes. that they set. Um, yes. I thought I had read somewhere, speaking of research, that you weren't allowed to go to parties. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people say, wow, you, you can't be that strict on kids. But it sounds yeah. like if, if you grew up in bad areas and you had friends that – uh, their path didn't go so well that uh, mm-hmm. that upbringing helped keep you away from those yeah. bad things. Yeah, my my so my you know like I said we like I said we we didn't have a lot. My my mother was a stay at home mom, and so my dad was a sole provider. That's like and, three uh, jobs taking that's care exactly, of. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, my dad sometimes took on two or three. Jobs. I bet. But your mom, like, uh, it's like having three jobs. That's exactly right. And so my mom was, was basically, you know, handling things at home. And my dad was making sure that we provided for. And, um, and, and they, they worked together like you wouldn't believe. And yes, we were not allowed to go to parties. We were not allowed to sleep over other people's houses. My, my mom Anyone, if we had sleepovers, they were going to be at my house. If we had friends over, they were going to be at my house. And and because it's just my, my parents just wasn't having it. They weren't having it. So they just weren't going to put us in situations where we could be influenced or put into bad situations or be with the wrong crowd or anything like that. And, you know, obviously I didn't like it as a kid, you know, and, you know, I was not really a rebellious kid. So, you know, I wasn't like sneaking out the window or anything like that. I just did what my parents told me to do. I've always wanted to honor them and always wanted to um, to do anything I could to um, to make them proud. And that was my that was my life's mission, to be honest with you. And um, and so um, that's what my, that was my upbringing. We, I was brought up in the church and um, we were at church all the time and my parents were both believers. And um, and so we. You know, my parents just wouldn't allow it. If we, like I said, everybody, my mother was considered like the mom of the neighborhood because everybody considered my mother their mom. They would come over to our house. They would get fed. That's you know, cool. Have, you know, oh, yeah. So Every was, neighborhood was, had one of those. Yes. So it was it was amazing. Um, you know, one of the one of the greatest things that I would think I, that I was able to do because of my 
opportunity to play at the major league level was to buy my parents a home. And, um, and so that was the first thing I bought. It was the first big purchase I made as a major leaguer was to buy my mother and father a house. Oh, that's great. And, and so they lived into that. They lived in the house until they both passed. And, um, and so it was, it was just a blessing that I was able to give to them for what they had given to me my entire life. That is fantastic. And yeah. I see, I love hearing things like that. Um, there's so many, the focus on the negative in society today is so much, especially now just to hear yeah. things like that. It, I don't know. It's given me a new perspective on just hearing little things like that. Like, Oh, that's a sprinkle of goodness. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. But you know what, Jim, I think that sort of thing goes on all the time but do you know what the most things that we that, that this society seems to focus on are other negative stuff yeah so you know there's a lot of athletes that are out there doing great things but mm -hmm. what do you hear in the in the news the the stuff the bad stuff that some athletes are doing yeah you know there's just people doing great things all the time with charitable things and like um, you know, it's, it's, if we focused on those things, I think the positive things more often and made that the focal point of our, you know, of the news and things like that, I think that, um, we would have a much better outlook. It just seems like there's so much negativity out there because it seems like that's all we hear. Oh, but there's no doubt. There's I've, a, I've, yeah. There's just a lot of great things going on in this world. I try not to not preach to people. Yeah. I try not yeah. to preach to people, but you know, I'm like, okay, put down the phone and the social media and right. walk down the street or go somewhere, even go to a, a school because kids are getting bad raps nowadays and you mm -hmm. won't have to go long to find good people and people oh, doing 100%. good things. In 100%. fact, it's the majority of, of them. Yeah. Most of the good people aren't out there bragging about right. it. You know, it's just, they just do it out of the kindness of their heart, yeah. you know? And I just think that that's, you know, that's what we all should be trying to strive for. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, it sounds like uh, things are good in Glenn Braggs's life and yep. Cindy's husband's life, <laughs> however you want to refer to him. Uh, it, it's all good. Yeah. Um, it's all good. So I, I, I wish the best to you and your family. And uh, when this thing is over, this pandemic, and it will be over, uh, yeah. we'll get back yeah. to real normalcy. Yep. And uh, I imagine that because it's been taken away this year that they will get you guys together at a 1990 team and it'll be the 31st anniversary or the exactly, 32nd right. anniversary, no matter right. what, right. Uh, yeah. to celebrate that team. Because uh, here in Reds country, man, the 1990 team is just gold uh, yeah. with all the characters yeah. on that team. And I imagine when you look back, do you, do you sometimes look back and just kind of laugh at when you think about a certain player and certain memories where you just kind of giggle? Uh, I mean, all of them. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, Sable was a character, yeah. man. I mean, and so was like Myers. Randy Myers was oh, a yeah. character. You know, Jack Armstrong was a character. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, every like Louis, uh, um, um, what is it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Quinones? Yeah, Quinones, man. Oh, the, my god, The gosh. naked Quinones. dancer after wins? Yeah, man, Quinones was a blast, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we, we had some characters on that team, and... Fun, most most fun I've ever had, and like I said, probably the best team talent-wise, top to bottom, 
that I think I've played for, you know, Mariano Duncan and, you know, and Morris and O'Neill and Hatcher, you know, Davis, Larkin, Sable, you know, Oliver, all of these guys, man. I mean, amazing players. Um, and we just were able to put it all together in that one season and uh, take it all the way to the championship. Well, it was enjoyable to watch. It's enjoy enjoyable now to uh, relive it and talk about it. And I, I, I think uh, I certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I know Reds fans appreciate a walk down memory lane. Uh, really appreciate catching up with you, Glenn. It's it's been uh, it's been terrific. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure of my own. All right, uh, so I'm going to go do another push-up so I can feel <laughs> worthy with you because uh, you're still cut and you're still uh, making the rest of us men feel unworthy. I'm just, all I try to do is defy gravity every day. It's getting harder and harder, but <laughs> just try to defy gravity oh, every day. Oh, man. believe me, I know that. I know that. <laughs> hey, if fans wanted to reach out to you, are you on social media anywhere? I am. I am. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, at G, uh, I think it's Glenn Braggs uh, for Instagram, Glenn Braggs for um, Facebook, and G Braggs on um twitter all right awesome there you go reach out follow glenn braggs and uh, we certainly invite you to do that i'm at at jim day tv instagram and twitter and as always thanks for tuning into the jim day podcast we hope you subscribe spread the word rate and review and again glenn braggs godspeed my friend you as well my friend take care that is the Jib Day Podcast, and we will see you next time, everyone.